It's Wednesday Wonders, science fiction and fantasy on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. And now, the conclusion of Chapter 25, The Showdown at Mount Shenglong, Part 2. All right, think. How the hell do I get out of Leviathan? There can only be two ways. The keyhole network that has to be on lockdown at this point, especially on this end, or a transfer vessel. I could try to get one of the dock ports open and commandeer one of the launch vessels, but but how the hell would I get past the pressure shield? What the hell would prevent half the fleet from chasing me down and blowing me out of the water? Damn you, Banu. You knew I'd have no place to hide. Move, move! No time for self-pity. Time's running out. If they catch you, they'll kill you. Harlequin quickly crouched behind a cluster of large metal crates positioned in the shadows of a vast hangar bay. Command, we've done a complete sweep of the western city zone. Squad 4 has less than 10 more streets to check, but I think if we can order Squad 6 to flank in the Genesis zone, we'll create a wedge force. They have to get out of here. Evangeline thinks I was the one who planted the virus. Fucking Bennu has her brainwashed. Good work. Start the flush northward, but I want two teams to check the access ports to the right leading up to the terrace level. I'll take my men to conduct recon in the hangar bay. Remember, Harlequin is a master escape artist. Yes, an escape artist who has met his match. Damn it! Yes, sir. Even if I escape from Leviathan, where am I going to go? With 35,000 feet underwater, rather limits my options. They know I'm trapped. You think you're going to win, don't you, Bennu? Harlequin peered from behind the crates and carefully spied the huge variety of ships that were stationed by their respective launch tubes. The smallest were the Vespa-class vessels that resembled small one-man fighter craft. A few were modified in two-seat configurations, but the slender fuselage and curved, swept-back wings that met behind the body of the craft clearly indicated speed and maneuverability. Beside them sat the large Zephyr-class vessels that resembled oversized sperm whales with two sets of short, stubby fins as stabilizers. These craft could transport up to six passengers and were commonly used for lengthy manual transport missions to various surface shore points. Harlequin reminisced about learning to pilot all of these fantastic vehicles so many centuries ago, but then he remembered. It doesn't matter. All of the launch tubes are in lockdown. Stealing any of these vessels won't matter if I can't get the goddamn ocean. He cursed himself not following the basic rules of engagement that kept him alive for centuries. You idiot, you know better. Never enter a room without knowing how to escape. Instead of letting yourself reminisce with Evangeline, you should have been planning a damn escape route. Fuck McCallum. Fuck Anton. Fuck me. God damn it, what a fool I've been. He continued to curse himself but stopped when one particular craft caught his eye. It was a short squat craft that looked like a fat tortoise and was covered with brown dust. Instead of propulsion jets and stabilizers, this cave hog class vessel had thick tire treads and abrasion armor. It was a mining vessel that the Leviathan group used to cultivate terramite and other rare alloys from the deep open sea, as well as continue to expand the great cavern in which Leviathan City resided. Four large spherical grinders sat recessed in the nose of the craft, while the rusty-looking pressure hatch on the top looked devoid of any keycard electronic entry system. Bingo. It's about a hundred feet to the cave hog, and there's at least ten guards between me and the hatch. I have to create some sort of distraction in order to... 
A small hover cam descended from the ceiling of the hangar bay and floated 30 feet in front of the crate Harlequin was hiding behind. He jerked back instantly and tried to meld into the shadows for protection. Infrared will nail me in seconds. It's now or never. Harlequin reached to the ground, grabbing a metal crowbar and sprang up, snapping his arm behind his back for a massive tennis serve. There! The far wall! Move! Move! All ten guards, plus the patrol squad stationed outside the entrance to the hangar bay, hurried to the far wall near the launch tubes, where a sudden explosion had just occurred. Read the perimeter! Now's my chance! Harlequin exploded from the shadows, sprinting to the cave hog in under two seconds. He leapt to the upper access hatch in a single jump and crawled inside before any guard had seen him. He quickly climbed into the cockpit and activated the locking mechanism for the entry hatch. The cave hog gave a low rumble as all the lights on the cockpit illuminated and a tactical view of Leviathan City appeared on the right monitor. He began tapping furiously on the keyboard on the left side of the command chair. Damn it, just as I thought. Daniel's fucking virus has Leviathan's AI so tweaked I can't hack any of the standard encryption code. I can't even open the main airlock in this part of Leviathan, let alone lower the pressure shields. Hey, hey, who's in there? Open this vessel immediately. The city is on lockdown. You have to get out of there right now. There was no window on the cockpit of the mining vessel, but Harlequin could see on the external camera monitors that a growing crowd of Gravelar's elite guard was assembling around the craft. The mining vessel was built sturdier than an M1 tank due to the severe abrasion, pressure, and heat that it experienced digging for teramite in the deep ocean. It could probably resist minutes of direct gunfire from the guards, but that wasn't what concerned Harlequin. If they were smart, they could block the water intake vents for engine cooling. The ship wouldn't make it more than half a mile before the engine overheated, and we are, regrettably, more than seven miles under the sea. I'd be dead in the water, literally. That's right. They're firing now, but pretty soon they'll realize that their gunfire is ineffective. Then they'll radio to Benno. Benno is smart. He'll know the trick about the intake valve, which means I don't have much time. Gunfire is useless. There's no way we can penetrate the hole with these weapons. Hemsworth, pull me up the schematics of the cave hog right away. The voice for wants to show us something about Shh, the that water. was quicker than I expected. This is going to be messy. I guess there's only one way to do this. On Tweedle Avenue, the largest and grandest boulevard in Leviathan, many of the citizens gathered in small clusters to whisper about the security alert that had been imposed by Viceroy Banu and Evangeline. The more daring citizens even whispered that the infamous Harlequin may have ventured back to Leviathan. Many of them, women especially, confessed that they would do much to catch a mere glimpse of the man who had once broken Evangeline's heart. Little did they know, their secret wish would soon be fulfilled. The immense mining vessel burst through the thick cavern wall and dropped 40 feet down onto Tweedle Avenue. The cobblestone of the street shattered into pieces under the heavy tread of the cave hog. As it roared down the middle of the main boulevard, people screamed and ran for cover to avoid getting crushed. Over 50 guards, including members of Gravelar's elite strike force, shot electrostatic bursts in an attempt to short-circuit the vessel. But Harlequin had already made a sharp right turn on Abel Avenue and was heading directly towards Leviathan Cathedral. The Leviathan Cathedral airlock is maintained on a separate isolated computer server. It was designed to facilitate small underwater crafts and pedestrian traffic in aquatic G-suits for the workers that created the actual cathedral and carved it out of the canyon wall. If it was the way in for McCallum, Tully and myself, damn well better be my way out. The two guards that had remained at their post, protecting the entrance to the vast cathedral despite Banu's orders, knelt down low to aim their rifles at the massive tread bearings of the cave hog. They fired several shots before finally leaping out of the way to avoid the charging vessel that smashed into the wooden entry doors. The 
four massive grinding walls in the front of the cave hog shredded the colossal entrance doors. Luckily, the cathedral was mostly deserted, as all of the guards had been deployed at the city's western tip, near the hangar bay where Harlequin had commandeered the vessel, and most of the administrative staff was sequestered in the war room, trying to deactivate the computer virus that was plaguing Leviathan's AI. No one to stop me. I wonder... Harlequin drove the miner into the cathedral loading bay, where he, Anton, McAllen, and Tully had first entered Leviathan in their Nankatsu mech suits. He smashed aside the other light submarine craft and deep-sea exposure suits that were lined up in the hangar. Harlequin positioned the cave hog in the airlock elevator that led upwards into the chapel of the cathedral. Gunfire from incoming guards lit up the thick sides of the miner like flickering starlight. Once the cave hog was situated inside, the heavy doors of the airlock started to close. But suddenly, out of his cockpit monitor, Harlequin saw it. Fuck! Two soldiers rushed forward carrying a massive tetranitrous rocket launcher balanced between the two men's shoulders. The barrel of the launcher extended some ten feet beyond the men holding it. Harlequin tapped the keyboard furiously trying to get the airlock doors to close faster, but it was too late. Through the monitors, he could see the hull of the ship being covered in red targeting dots. Shit, not yet. Please don't let it be yet. The rocket exploded out of the launcher, instantly breaking the sound barrier within the room. It streaked directly at the cave hog positioned in the elevator. Harlequin closed his eyes and quickly thought to himself, It was a good run. A good run indeed. The tetranitrous rocket slammed into the enormous airlock doors that had just managed to lock in the closed position. Fire and a massive pressure wave ripped through the loading bay, flipping mech suits and the small submersibles end over end, crushing the guards that had assembled there. Blood and ash stained the walls and smoke obscured any trace of visibility within the room. Harlequin let go of the long breath that he had been holding for over a minute as the elevator safely containing him and his still-functional cave hog rose upwards, leaving Leviathan City beneath him and bringing the ship closer to the deep ocean. It takes over a minute for the elevator to go from Leviathan to the chapel of the cathedral. By now, Bennu will have ordered every ship into their launch tubes to intercept and destroy me. By the time I reach the cathedral steps, I'll be exterminated. There has to be a way, something they haven't thought of. The airlock rose quickly, but lurched to a stop upon reaching the great altar of Leviathan Cathedral. The powerful high beams of the mining vessel illuminated the massive stone pillars of the chapel, rising almost 500 feet upwards. The Luma Flora glowed brightly behind the ornate stained glass, casting eerie rays of light upon the exquisite statues standing like lonely sentries along the wide central aisle. For one small moment, everything was still, and it saddened Harlequin that a cathedral so vast and so beautiful was eternally devoid of any parishioners. So empty, so quiet. Suddenly, a loud rumble from the cave hog punctured the stillness. It sprang forward in an awkward manner as oil oozed from one of the bullet holes that had penetrated its thick hide, while several broken hatches flapped loosely on its side. The vessel downshifted a gear and accelerated sharply as it raced forward down the central aisle. 200 feet before the vessel reached the great doors to the cathedral, the four large grinder balls re-emerged from the front of the craft and started to spin furiously. The statues that had dutifully lined the central aisle for centuries shattered from the slightest brush with the grinder balls. Soon, the entire cathedral shook with destructive energy as the cave hog bulldozed its way towards the exit. But outside, on the floor of the Mariana Trench, the scene was far more still. Thirty Vespa-class assault vessels hovered silently in formation, with their carbine rod cannons focused squarely on the enormous doors. More time had elapsed than any of the pilots would have thought necessary. 
Their fingers twitched nervously on their control screens. They were ready for battle. Ready to fulfill Viceroy Banu's orders. Ready to kill, even if they... The cave hog erupted out of the shattered remains of the great wooden doors of Leviathan Cathedral. It roared out of the temple and lifted into the water as it soared over the mammoth steps to the cathedral. Target lock. I've got a good lock. Lock confirmed. Permission to engage. Open fire! Thirty violent flashes of light pierced the darkness of the deep ocean. Thirty rounds of high-density tungsten rods screamed at the mining vessel. Shattering the rear tread assembly and leaving scores of metal wounds that wept air bubbles into the abyss. What remained of the vessel continued forward, carried by its initial momentum. It tumbled sideways underneath the formation of Vespa-class fighters and limped on what remained of its damaged treads. The mighty ship was now half disintegrated, and flashes of fire ignited, extinguished themselves, and then reignited again. He's trying to cut left. He'll never make it to the main trench. Fire again! Fire! Hit the trench wall. Let's pull in closer. Alpha team, I want Holoquin surrounded. Beta team, take the formation ahead and form a blockade to the main trench. He's not going anywhere. The wounded vessel veered to the left in a desperate attempt to avoid being surrounded. But the tread drive underneath the mining ship was badly damaged and suddenly snapped free, becoming tangled in the rotors. Instead of pushing the tread forward, the rotor lifted what remained of the rear of the ship upwards before the entire craft flipped over on its back like an overturned crab. The rotors continued to spin in vain and more oil leaked out of the vessel. It was helpless, and the Vespa-class fighters moved in quickly like angry hornets. End of the line, Harlequin. Finish it. Once again, 30 brilliant flashes of light streaked through the darkness and exploded into the shattered hull of Harlequin's cave hog. Shreds of metal burst outwards and absolutely nothing larger than a small finger remained. The vessel had been obliterated at point-blank range, vaporizing the cave hog and anyone within it. Target destroyed, sir. Returning to base. The 30 Vespa-class fighting ships that were scattered around the floating remains of Harlequin in the cave hog reassembled neatly into three parallel lines. The orderly formation quietly banked left towards the entry ports into Leviathan City. But less than a mile away, a white figure emerged from behind one of the hulking gargoyles guarding the entrance to Leviathan Cathedral. The figure barely moved at all, until the last of the Vespa-class vehicles had returned to their ensconced launch ports deep within the trench wall beside the cathedral. It stood roughly ten feet tall, and resembled the Michelin Man mascot with its puffy arms and legs. However, the bionic articulated titanium hands and glowing red eye sockets with the thick plasti-steel helmet gave the figure a more sinister appearance. <sighs> I expected a better death than that. Well, now the hard part. Harlequin picked up an enormous fabric bag next to him. It stood almost as tall as he did in his deep water exposure suit, but despite the size of the bag, it moved effortlessly in the water due to its near-neutral buoyancy. Harlequin's fingers moved clumsily with the hydraulic-assisted fingers of his suit, but managed to loosen the bag labeled Cave Hog Rescue Lift Bag and rapidly pulled out fabric until he reached a small manual control panel. This will be interesting. If you don't help us... You'll die too. Do you really think I care? I care. I care now. I want to live. I want to live. His body trembled slightly, and his damaged hand ached as the exposure suit's fabric brushed over the raw nerve endings of his burnt flesh. Doing the best he could, he manipulated several switches on the manual control panel and quickly clipped two carabiners to his exposure suit. 
Slowly, the fabric bag unfolded to form a large teardrop-shaped lift balloon, rapidly rising upwards. After 10 meters, the riser lines were pulled taut, and Harlequin found himself slowly pulled upwards towards the surface of the sea. Everything around him was pitch dark, and the smallest bit of light that came from Leviathan Cathedral was now fading away in the distance beneath him. Despite his best efforts, he couldn't stop his breath from quickening, as the ocean current surged more forcefully around him. He knew of the rare phenomenon known as underwater storms, but fought hard to bury the thought in his mind. He quickly activated the headlights surrounding the dark helmet dome of his exposure suit and urgently started twisting the dials of the control panel. He knew that if he rose too quickly, he would likely spring a leak in his exposure suit. A small puncture the size of a pinprick would deliver a spray so powerful that it could slice clean through his body. But without enough air pressure, the lift balloon could also deflate and sink downwards, costing precious battery power. Furthermore, if he didn't vent the balloon properly, the rapidly expanding air could cause the balloon to expand explode, sending him back down to the bottom of the ocean in a suit weighing over a ton. The journey back to the surface of the ocean would take over seven hours. Seven hours in cold, icy, pitch, blackness. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. This is Evangeline. Understood. I'm on my way. Who was that? The chief of the elite guard unit. As Benny suspected, they think they've found Harlequin in West Bay Hangar. McAllen and Evangeline raced over to one of the pull tubes that took them from the war room high above Leviathan all the way down to street level. A pod bike was waiting for them, with the driver already holding the door open for the two women. The pod bike resembled a standard motorcycle, but was twice as long as a Harley Davidson, and at least three times as wide, with what appeared to be heavy-duty off-road tires. A large pod section was located over the rear tire that contained enough space for two seats side by side. The driver sat on the exterior of the bike, thus giving the impression of a high-tech motorized rickshaw. McAllen and Evangeline quickly entered the pod before the pod bike shot forward, pushing McAllen back in her seat. Are they going to kill Harlequin if they find him? My order stated their capture was the preferable option. So they could kill him? McAllen, I realize you think he's helped you, but you have to understand that- Evangeline stopped mid-sentence and stared at the silver bracelet on her wrist. On it, a blue light was blinking rapidly, and McAllen watched Evangeline's face turn aghast in horror. Goddess, what's wrong? Turn around! We need to get back to the cathedral right away! But ma'am, Viceroy Benu's orders were- I don't give a fuck what Benu's orders are! Turn around now and get us back to the cathedral as fast as you can! I don't care what you have to do, move! Evangeline, what the hell happened? What's wrong? My deepest secret in Leviathan is about to explode. The scene was unearthly. That was the only way Oberlin Sinclair could describe what was happening in the keyhole chamber deep within the bowels of Mount Chenglung. It was literally unearthly to be staring at two clearly alien beings that gazed right back at him with concentrated orange eyes through a glowing dimensional portal. On either side of the aliens stood two men. The first was a tall man wearing a white robe and a white hood that obscured his face. On the other side was a Chinese man who seemed to be urgently scanning the room on Oberlin's side of the keyhole. The alien 
civilians took no note of the two men standing beside them, but rather stared intently at Oberlin and Whit Roberts. What the hell are those? I'd expect you to be a bit savvier, Oberlin, especially given the fact that you already spoke to them through the briefcase you stole from me. Oberlin stared slack-jawed at the two nine-foot blue-skinned humanoids that possessed no mouth and blazing orange eyes. The two of them were clearly aware of Oberlin's fear and seemed to stare directly into his soul. Those... Those two are- Their names are Elgar and Karana, and they are from the planet Sorax. They've been held against their will in Leviathan for almost a thousand years. We're here to rescue them. My father. That's- that's my father. Through the center of the glowing keyhole, Miley could see the smaller Chinese man on the far right smiling and beaming at her. Father! Father! He can't hear you. Sound waves can't travel through the keyhole. The tall man in the white robe and white hood raised his hand high in a salutary gesture towards Whit Roberts. He then slowly stepped forward and walked through the keyhole. Mr. Whit Roberts, I assume. Viceroy Bennu, it is an honor, sir. Let me through the portal. I want to see my father. And you must be my lead. Dr. Swee's daughter. I am. Well, your father must love you a great deal. He went through an extraordinary amount of effort to bring you here. May I please see him? Well, of course you can. He's waiting for you on the other side of the keyhole. Just go ahead and walk through it. It's quite safe, I assure you. My Lee walked closer to the glowing blue portal and found herself squinting as she got closer to it. The flashes and swirls of sapphire light mesmerized her, and the image of her father through the keyhole disintegrated and then instantly rematerialized. Weesh! My Lee! What the hell are you doing? He's my father. He's why I came here, Oberlin. You know that. Yeah, but you have no idea what's on the other side of that merry-go-round. I know that my father is, and that's all I need to know right now. Whoever else is on the other side of that, that thing, is friends with with Roberts. You and I... I both know that's a very bad thing. Wit stared at the aliens. I'm trained. I'll deal. I'm going with you. No. No, you are not. Damn it, Miley. I want to protect you. This isn't some male ego talking. I'm just trying to reason with you. You don't even know what lies over there. Give me one good reason why we shouldn't approach this as a team. I am approaching this like a team. That's why I need you here, Oberlin, on this side, to make sure I get back. You're the only one I can trust. The only person that doesn't have an agenda. I need you to be able to bring me back. Don't let Whit Roberts do anything unsavory. Can I count on you? Ah, come on. That's not fair, you know. Can I count on you? You got me. You know that. Then keep me safe by staying here. Can I count on you? Yeah. Yeah, you can count on me. But you get your ass back through the keyhole fast. Got it? Got it. Keep the door open and you'll never know I was gone. And then Miley threw her arms around Oberlin's neck and pulled him close to her, kissing him forcefully. She let him melt into her and the closeness made her feel more whole than she had in years. She didn't want to stop, but she sensed Oberlin was about to say something. And before he could, Miley turned and leapt into the blue void before her. And then... Oberlin was alone. Before we bring the extraterrestrials through, I need to know the security status of our extraction. Secure. We've got zip lines in place to take us back topside, and thanks to the genetic work shared between you and Dr. Markane, we have four enforcers standing sentry and ready to extract the cargo. Black Door has kept up our end of the rescue mission, sir. The facility is secure. If the facility is so secure, then please inform me who on earth is this sorry-looking individual. No reason to be rude, my friend. The name is Oberlin St. Clair. 
Engineer, Engineer Extraordinaire of the Hail Mary, along with Captain Jeffrey Tully. At your service, Mr. Uh, Benu, was it? Is he part of your Black Door team, Mr. Roberts? No. Then kill him. He knows too much now. <laughs> with pleasure. I'm going back through the keyhole to guide the aliens through. But before Benu could walk back through the portal, chaos erupted on the other side of the keyhole. The reinforced metal door at the far end of the room swung open and two women with flaming red hair sprinted into the chamber. Come on, I don't understand. What is the secret, Evangeline? What are you... Oh my god! Evangeline and McCallum were stunned by what they saw. Miley and her father stood defensively in the corner, while Elgar and Kirana's orange eyes widened with fear at the sight of Evangeline. At the far end of the room was a section lined by thick iron bars that was clearly a prison cell. An explosion had taken place as evidenced by the debris and broken iron bars that lay scattered on the ground. Dr. Sweet! What in the goddess's name are you doing? The aliens have a right to freedom. They are being held against their will. You lie to them, Evangeline. Lie to all of us. You utter fool. You'll kill us all, you imbecile. If the aliens leave Leviathan, it will lead to the end of the world. We want to be free. I won't allow you to be the jailer of these beings any longer. Over my dead body. Dr. Sui leapt towards the aliens to pull them through the keyhole portal. But before he even got close, Evangeline quickly pulled a small device from her cloak. The object was slightly smaller than a construction brick and appeared to be fashioned from pure obsidian. She pointed the razor gun at Dr. Sui's head and squeezed the brick hard. I won't tolerate another traitor. A small disc the size of a quarter sprang out over 20 times the speed of sound. As the small disc left the firing chamber, five small crystal threads extended from its radius. Each deadly tendril was over a hundred times sharper than a standard razor blade. And when the disc made contact with Dr. Sui's neck, the results were horrific. The spinning tendrils sliced through the bone and flesh as easily as they passed through the air. The impact of the actual disc against his body was so great that it hurled him against the far right corner of the room, and what remained of his disembodied skull struck the far left corner. (gasps) Miley rushed to the decapitated body of her father and knelt on the ground holding him. Blood still pumped in spurts out of Dr. Sui's neck covering Miley, but she was too forlorn to care. In fact, she was so lost in sorrow that she paid no mind to the aliens, McAllen or Evangeline. All she could think about was the fact that her father was gone and she had been only seconds too late. The agony crushed her and left her in a catatonic state, but Evangeline took immediate action. She rushed to the controls of the massive keyhole in order to shut it down. I can't let the aliens escape. They must stay in Leviathan. The aliens moved quickly over to the portal, trying to leap through it, but Evangeline got to the keyhole control module first to sever the connection between Leviathan and Mount Shenglung. But before her hand could reach the controls, her face was met by a hard, determined fist thrown with thousands of years of resentment behind it. You arrogant bitch! Benu leapt through the keyhole and materialized back in the portal chamber in Leviathan with his fist extended. He knocked Evangeline clean off the ground and blood leaked out of the side of her mouth. Oh, I have wanted to do this for over a millennia. You rotten, corrupt hypocrite. You made me your little lapdog. I listened to you, obeyed you, gave up the church and God for you. And then, then you choose Harlequin over me? Benu brought his leg back and launched his foot into Evangeline's eye socket. Her whole body became airborne as her head snapped backwards so hard it would have instantly killed a mortal human. 
I cannot begin to describe the pleasure I will take from watching you die. But not before you get to see all of your dreams become shattered in mere moments. You see, I was the one who planted the computer virus, not Harlequin. When the virus finally breaks through the AI defense network, it will release a series of instructions to lower the pressure shield and flood Leviathan. The beauty is that no one on Earth will ever know of its existence. Leviathan will just be another lost city, as if it never even existed at all. Of course, that's not exactly true. I will know, won't I? And the aliens, Elgar and Karana will know. That's because I'm taking them with me. I've planned all of this to free the aliens you've kept imprisoned against their will, just so. <laughs> you, you fool. Evangeline pressed the emergency beacon button on the silver bracelet she wore on her wrist. Oh, I don't think that will help you, Eve. You see, thanks to my direction, we've already sent our entire security detail to the other side of Leviathan City to chase down Harlequin. Even most of your precious cathedral guards. It will take them several minutes to get all the way back here. And I promise you, that you do not have several minutes left to live. And since you told virtually no one about your dirty little secret down here in the catacombs of the cathedral, keeping the aliens that gave you your immortality prisoner for a thousand years, I'm not sure anyone even knows this room exists. I guess that's what happens when you keep too many secrets. <laughs> you Harlequin will kill you when he learns that you framed him? Used him as a perfect foil to deceive you, plant the computer virus, and then distract your entire security force? No, I don't think he will kill me. That would be very difficult, given the fact that he's become crab food for every mud-dwelling vermin living on the floor of the Mariana Trench. You pathetic coward. I never should have saved you. I should have let you burn like the rest of them at Sumnadok. Oh, do shut up. It was never about you saving and rehabilitating me. It was always about yourself. You used me to assuage your own guilt over the murder of an entire village of innocent people. You never cared about me. The only person beside yourself that you ever cared about was Harlequin. It's not true. I cared for you once. I thought you changed. Stop this, Benu. Please don't. Let My name is Kriegerson. Benu struck Evangeline so hard and so quickly that she felt confused when her body crashed into the stone wall of the chamber. Her head was gushing blood and she found herself struggling to stay conscious. I must fight. I have to, to protect. No. Please. But her body betrayed her by pulling Evangeline into unconsciousness. Her last vision was of Benu pulling back his hood to reveal his disgusting, deformed face. His hands were outstretched and reaching for her, trembling with malice. I can't wait to feel your life finally leave your immortal body to slip away through my fingers. Yeah, we'll wait a little longer! <laughs> McCallum picked up one of the iron bars lying on the ground and swung it hard against Banu's face. The unexpected blow sent Banu reeling against the wall, clutching his face. McCallum knew that the sudden blow had taken Banu off guard, and she quickly wound back for another strike. The iron bar ripped through the tight skin on Banu's face and tore a three-inch gash from the corner of his mouth to his left eye socket, where his eyeball seemed to almost be hanging from its supporting optic nerve. You won't be able to see well. I need to get one more shot in so that I can get out of here. McCallum threw all of her weight into her next blow, but Banu felt the attack coming and sidestepped her advance. She tripped over his leg and was sent sprawling on the floor. McAllen spun around quickly to regain her footing, but Banu was already upon her, clamping his enormous hands around her neck. She could feel his hot breath inches from her face, and his thumbs overlapped on her larynx and pushed down, trying to close her windpipe permanently. 
Well, I must say that this is an unexpected pleasure. I get to kill two Evangelines tonight. You know, you look just like she did so many centuries ago. Banu glanced over at Evangeline, who still lay motionless on the floor, bleeding from her head. But you're far weaker than she is. A rather cheap copy, if I do say so myself. You know that's all you are, McAllen. Just a bad copy of a deluded woman grown in a dirty test tube. Nobody will ever miss you. Actually, Mr. Banu, for such a smart guy, you really got your facts pretty mixed up. Tully! Tully entered the room, holding Evangeline's razor gun that had been lying on the ground. He walked towards the portal. You see, despite what you might think, I would miss McAllen. A whole lot, actually. So much so that I might even feel the need to kill someone that would prevent me from seeing her again. And that someone seems to be you. Now, I haven't known you for a real long time, Mr. Banu, but my impression is that you are what we call, in nautical terms, a major league asshole. And from the position McAllen is in, I think I'm understating the description. So forgive me for saying so, but I think it would be your sorry ass that nobody would ever miss. So right now, you're gonna let McAllen go, or so help me God, I will use this thing to blow your inflated head to kingdom come. Really, Mr. Tully? Yes, really, Mr. Shithead. Because, quite frankly, I don't think the situation is quite so clear-cut. You see, I briefly had the pleasure of meeting one of your colleagues, a Mr. Oberlin St. Clair, I believe. What? Oberlin? Oberlin is alive? That's... Wait, where is he? Where is he, you son of a bitch? You fucking tell me right now. I don't need to tell you. You can just look for yourself. Tully turned his head to peer through the shimmering keyhole and was dumbfounded by what he saw. On the other side of the portal, Oberlin St. Clair was in the fight of his life with another man, and from the looks of it, Oberlin was losing. Tully could see the man grabbing Oberlin's shirt and headbutting him repeatedly before throwing him down on the ground. His vision through the keyhole was blurry, but Tully could make out that Oberlin was bleeding from his shoulder and left hand and had multiple bruises on his face. Your friend's not doing so well, is he, Mr. Tully? Just for your own edification, the gentleman he's fighting with is named Wit Roberts, who is a trained assassin. I just gave him orders to kill your little friend, which means that he probably doesn't have much more time to live. Perhaps another 15 to 20 seconds, maybe 30 if he fights well or gets a lucky shot in, which means that you, Mr. Tully, have some very serious choices to make. Do you want to stay here and save McAllen, or do you want to save your friend, Mr. Tully? Such a difficult choice to make. Tully! Tully's soul was ripping in two pieces. He could peer through the keyhole and see that Oberlin was desperately trying to stay alive. The man fighting Oberlin was close to getting a sleeper hold on him, while Oberlin kept trying to kick out his opponent's legs. It was the worst form of torture to watch his best friend in a desperate fight getting brutally beaten and not being able to help him. But McAllen cried out to him. Please, Tully! Reminding him that she desperately needed his help. Banu stood behind McAllen with his one hand on her throat while the other held her two hands behind her back. She was stronger as an immortal, but she was no match for Banu, who had been basking in immortal energy for the past thousand years. Tully, please, Tully. You can't let him escape with the aliens. It'll mean the end of the world. You can't. Tully, please. Help me, Tully. I love you. Please. I'm... I'm so sorry, McCallan. And without even looking at her... Tully leapt through the portal in a flash of blue light that filled the chamber, leaving McAllen alone with Banu. <laughs> McAllen's mouth widened in disbelief, and she felt her soul crumble within her. Tully was gone, no longer in the room, no longer in her life. He had left her alone to die at the hands of a madman. Oh, McAllen. 
lovers quarrel. Perhaps you really didn't live up to Evangeline's skill in the bedroom. <laughs> you bastard. Looks like you don't have as many friends as you imagined. That'll be a wonderful parting thought as I crush the life out of your worthless body. Well, consider me a friend with benefits. Anton! Anton stood in the doorway to the keyhole chamber, but before Banu could even say a word, Anton fired three nerve toxin darts hitting Banu's face, neck, and chest. A look of tragic surprise was trapped on Banu's face. His mouth was scowled in an ugly sneer and he froze in disbelief that anyone could possibly challenge him. That anyone could ever beat him. No! No! He tried in vain to squeeze down on McAllen's neck, but the toxin acted too quickly. Banu's muscles froze and rejected any command from his brain, which was becoming increasingly disconnected from his body. In seconds, his heart refused to beat any further, and his arms and legs locked up like stiff boards. And Anton sprinted over with his fist extended and struck Banu's face so hard that the toxin dart was pushed through Banu's skull into his brain. Banu's body was launched several yards across the room, but Banu, once known long ago as Kriegerson, was dead before his body ever reached the ground. Jesus. Anton! Oh my god, Anton. Thank you, thank you. McCallum ran to Anton and threw her arms around him. My god, I thought that was it. I thought he was going to kill me. Jesus, I, I missed you. I missed you, Anton. Are you okay? I'm fine, McCallum. Are you okay? Did that son of a bitch hurt you? Come here, let me see your neck. I'm, I'm okay, really. How did you find me here? Tully brought me, actually. I was recovering in the infirmary when he came to see me. He was drunk, not surprisingly, but... We started to talk for a while, and several hours actually, and obviously we were talking about you. And so we decided we wanted to pay you a visit, and we saw the guards in the medical unit suddenly run off, so Tully helped me out of bed, and we started walking over to the cathedral to see if you were okay. Tully, that fucking pig abandoned me. He just, just left me, Anton, just left me to die without even a thought. He just fucking ran out. <clears throat> I can't believe what he did. Wait, wait, Evangeline told me this area of Leviathan was off-limits, that she kept it hidden. How did she you- She probably did it because of the Seraxians. It's quite a secret she's kept here, the one that will have serious ramifications, but I'll admit, I didn't know exactly where you were, but at some point Evangeline activated a locator beacon using attunement. I heard about what was going on with Harlequin, and I guess Benu put the entire Leviathan guard on alert. He was smart enough to have the entire security situated on the other side of Leviathan while he tried to make his escape. When I sensed Evangeline's signal, Tully and I got worried about you, so we followed it down here to the catacombs to investigate. Well, he ran ahead of me to make sure you were okay. I'm still a bit weak on my feet and couldn't keep up. I tried, really. I'm really sorry, McAllen, that I could Would you just stop? You saved my life again. You are a hell of a soldier and an amazing friend. Even before today, I couldn't repay you for all that you've done for me, Anton. She gently placed her hand on Anton's face. About Tully. That fucking coward. I can't believe he just... just left me there like that. He was gonna let me die, Anton. He was just going to... to let me die. After everything that we... Shh. McAllen, it's okay. I promise it'll be okay. I'm here now, and I promise that I won't ever leave you. Tully had no time to waste. 
for the second time in his life, he had leapt through a dimensional portal with absolutely no idea where it would take him. After leaping into the brilliant blue light of the keyhole, he found his body lose its corporal binding and then, just as quickly, suddenly found himself spit out in a strange room that was far colder than the warm, humid air of Leviathan. Tully immediately scanned the room for Oberlin, but instantly saw that he was alone. Broken glass and signs of a struggle littered the chamber. He looked behind him and saw the massive keyhole against the wall. It was an exact duplicate of the colossal sarcophagus in Leviathan, which made him painfully remember McAllen. You can't let him escape with the aliens. It will mean the end of the world. The portal. I've got to close the portal. It was as if the aliens, Elgar and Karana, could suddenly read Tully's mind. He saw their eyes widen in panic, and they struggled to move towards the glowing entrance of the keyhole. But the heavy chains that surrounded their hands were slowing their movement. I gotta stop him. I can't let him get through. He looked down at his hand and realized he was still clutching Evangeline's razor gun that he had picked up off the floor. The aliens were getting closer now, only a few feet away from the shimmering entrance to the keyhole. Tully squeezed the razor gun. <laughs> sending five, six, seven discs screaming at the heavy metal structure. As soon as they struck the sarcophagus, a massive shower of sparks erupted from the keyhole. Energy seemed to be pulsing and building throughout the structure. The window to Leviathan City began to contract and then faded back into darkness. The aliens were moving forward, but seemed to be drifting farther and farther away. When suddenly... Searing blue light poured out from deep cracks forming in the keyhole. The cold room instantly became unbearably hot, and a deep rumble emanated from somewhere deep within the portal. Oh, shit. Tully leapt behind one of the scientific tables in the back of the room, just in time to see Whit Roberts sprinting in hysterical. What the hell is going on? His eyes immediately found Tully. The massive keyhole exploded, sending dense fragments of his metal slicing through the room. The blast sent Tully crashing against the far wall. Everything went black, and after what seemed like an eternity, Tully heard a familiar voice far off in the distance. Tully! Tully, is that you? Tully, wake up. Oh my god, Tully, you got to get up. Can you hear me? Ah, uh, Jesus. Oberlin. Oberlin, are you... Oh. Tully's head ached, and he knew that he was bleeding heavily somewhere on his body. Blue mist lingered across the room, casting unnatural shadows on the wall. Come on, Tully. We gotta get out of here. It's not safe. There's a psychotic lunatic in here trying to kill us. Come on! Come... Oh. Gotcha. Okay, we have to move. Stay quiet. The two of them limped towards the exit of the room, when out of the darkness... Don't. Don't fucking move. Fucking moron. Do you know what you just did? We were on a rescue mission to save those two aliens from the immortal bastards that were keeping them prisoner. We had the chance to liberate them and prevent an attack on our planet, and you, you ruined all of it. Everything that will happen now is your fault, you fucking asshole. No, hey, hey, that's not the way it is. You know, oh, I'm really glad you finally got to see your old friend, Oberlin. You had to travel all around the world to find him, <laughs> but you did it. Thanks, uh, I, I really appreciate your help. <laughs> I can't believe it's taken me this long to kill you and your stupid friend. No more Hail Marys for you and no Chinese girlfriend to protect you. You hooked up with a Chinese girl? Please, please don't kill us. We never meant to do anything. Goodbye, Oberlin St. Clair. The R9S pistol flew out of Wit's hand. Hello, Wit. Sension? Tully, get behind me. Your friend Opal on too. How the hell did you get past the enforcers? Two of them decided to hop on a short flight. 
The other two were too slow to get me before I jumped down that little rabbit hole of yours. That was a several hundred foot drop. I had a reserve chute. I'll only say this once. You kill me, and the planet Sorax will launch an invasion that will enslave every human being on the planet. Black Door is the only thing that stands in the way of the genocide of the human race. How in God's name do you know about Sorax? You just missed them, Senshin. The aliens were almost here. What aliens? What is he talking about? Elgar and Karana? Am I to understand you actually saw the aliens here on Earth? Why would they have possibly come back? They never left, you idiot. I don't understand. It's it's true, Senshin. Look, I, I can't say that I understand everything that's going on here. But I was in Leviathan with McCallum less than five minutes ago. I was on the other side of that portal, and I saw those those aliens myself. They're here on Earth, and they were trying like hell to get back over to this side to meet with Wit. Whoever or whatever they are, they don't want to be in Leviathan. And Evangeline was trying to keep them there. You saw them in Leviathan? It's true. I saw them through the keyhole myself. Why would they go back to Leviathan? Why would because they- Because they never left, Senshin. Don't you get it? The aliens never left Leviathan. They never left Earth. Elgar and Karana were kept prisoner within the very city they helped create. In return for their work, Evangeline kept the two aliens prisoner for over a thousand years. Against their will, so that- So she could continue to receive Starstones. My god, of course. No one ever questioned how the Starstones arrived, as long as they arrived, and people could be regenerated for another few decades of life. She kept them prisoner for a thousand years, just so she could live, just so she could continue to receive Starstones and remain in paradise, and remain the leader over all of us. That was her power. Evangeline, you horrific bitch. I cannot believe what she's done. We are on a rescue mission, Senshun. One that you did a marvelous job of fucking up. Senshin raised the Walter PPK and pointed it back at Wit. I won't be spoken to like that from a piece of scum like you. I know you. You're nothing more than a liar and an assassin. Whatever rescue mission you think you were on was clearly fucked up before I got here. You kill me and the aliens die too. You'll never see another Starstone again. You'll live just long enough to watch every human being become a mindless puppet. What the hell are you talking about? The aliens contacted us through Bennu and Leviathan. They wanted their freedom from the Leviathan barbarians that kept them captive. The very immortals that they helped nurture and foster a thousand years ago. When Black Door learned that the Chinese government had obtained a Starstone, a plan was put in place to steal it away from the government. Black Door's job was to get the Starstone close enough to Leviathan so that the aliens could interact with it, but far enough away so that Evangeline couldn't find it and use it to regenerate herself. The rogue Starstone. The aliens turned a communications device into a weapon. Exactly. It's why you kept hearing voices. Millions of them. The signal was designed to amplify the attunement phenomena found in immortals and link them to all of humanity. Normally, your immortal physiology would shut down, but the Starstone healing effect bolstered your mental capacity until your brains would literally seize up and kill you. The aliens created the deadly signal. Not Evangeline. Not even Black Door. It was your kind that held them prisoner, Senshin. It was your group that caused all of this. Not my group. You know damn well I rebelled. I and others like me fled Leviathan because we hated Evangeline. People gave their lives to live in freedom and not her autocratic regime. Seems like the aliens never got that lucky. I never knew the aliens were being kept prisoner. Ignorance is bliss, asshole. Give me one reason not to put a bullet in your eye socket right now. Because you can't be trusted. What? 
you're not trustworthy. The aliens don't trust many immortals. You can't really blame them after being held prisoner for a thousand years. That's why Black Door has been trying to kill the immortals. Because your people are the only ones with the power and resources to forestall a rescue mission of the aliens. That was the purpose of the Starstone weapon. To kill every immortal so that nothing would stand in the way of the aliens being rescued from Leviathan. In addition, Black Door was also engaged to hunt your people on the surface down. You're just cheap mercenaries. Black Door is at the forefront of American security policy. We stand for freedom and the protection of our nation. You and the other immortals represent not only a threat to the citizens of America, but you've also oppressed and violated the innate rights of sentient beings from another world that landed here accidentally. We're not mercenaries. We're the good guys. You're the scumbags from where we sit. Is that why you've hunted us down? Is that why an innocent boy's body lies dead up there because of one of your disgusting monstrosities? Your rebel group was always the real threat, Senshin. The aliens knew that sooner or later the Starstone would kill every immortal in Leviathan. It would only be a matter of time before their defenses failed. But you, the immortals on the surface, they were less sure about. It was our job to neutralize any remaining immortal threat to ensure the safety of the aliens and enable their extraction. I'm here to liberate them from prison. You're in the way. The two men stared at each other for about 30 seconds, and nobody in the chamber moved even an inch. No. No, I'm not in the way. I want to help you. Sorry, I don't trust immortals either. I haven't shot yet. Just a little more pressure from my index finger, and you wouldn't exist anymore. I have every reason to kill you, Whit Roberts, and I haven't yet. I'm listening. I rebelled 70 years ago. I left paradise because I refused not to live free. I led hundreds away from Eden. Do you have any idea what it was like to be in paradise with? Being surrounded by people that encouraged and nurtured you? To be free of any material wants? To never have to worry about food or shelter or money? To be protected and safe and know that that safety would always be there? Permanent bliss. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to leave that voluntarily? Just because you believe in a principle. Oh, my heart bleeds. What's your point? My point is that I've risked my life for freedom. The aliens landed in our world in peace. They gave us the gift of immortality, and in exchange, we imprisoned them. I can't stand for that. I won't. If your mission is really to save the aliens that first gave us the gift of immortality, then I want to help you. <laughs> Forgive me, but my last team-building effort didn't end as well as I'd hoped. He stared at Oberlin. My help comes at a condition. I figured. Stop hunting my people. The rebels. You leave them alone. Forever. They get spared and live the rest of their lives in peace. What's in it for Black Door? Besides me not blowing your face off right now? Yeah. <laughs> Besides that. Simple. Where are the aliens now? They didn't make it through the keyhole. It looks like we failed. I assume they're still imprisoned in Leviathan. And what? Black Door is just going to burst into Leviathan with a nuclear sub and save the aliens? <laughs> if we have to, fuck yes. No, no you won't, because the aliens won't be there anymore. Evangeline now knows the aliens are trying to escape. She knows that you know where they are. She'll have them moved within the hour, and then you'll never find them again, unless I help you. Do you know where the aliens are? I know how to find them. Well then, gee, I guess it's really lucky that we ran into each other like this. Yes, lucky us. Um... I feel lucky. Sension stared at Oberlin and Tully and then lowered the weapon he was pointing at Wit. <sighs> Fine. You have a... a deal. I hope the threat of the world ending is enough to keep you honest, Wit, because we've got a long road ahead of us. We're going to save the aliens and destroy Leviathan in the process. I can see now that the world is only big enough for one group of immortals. My group. And with Black Thor and the Rebellion working together, we can finish this war once and for all. Evangeline will never know what hit her.
You have been listening to the Leviathan Chronicles by Christoph Lepupka. Please check out our new website at www.leviathanchronicles.com. New content is already available, and full-length special edition episodes will be available for sale soon. Thank you for listening to Season 1 of the Leviathan Chronicles. Hello, everyone. This is Christoph, your author and creator of The Leviathan Chronicles, and you've just finished listening to Chapter 25, the season finale of Season 1 of The Leviathan Chronicles. I can't begin to tell you how proud I am, what a journey it's been personally, and the learning curve that's gone into this. But before I go into kind of what getting to Season 1 finale really means, let me just get a couple business points out of the way. The first is that you're going to be getting the first of the mini episodes. It is in this feed. It should be in this feed right now. So definitely check that out. The first mini episode is called the Leviathan Orientation Program. It's probably going to be about a two to three parter, and I'm hoping to release those every two to three weeks. As you can hear, it's a little bit more narration based, and it's designed to kind of be an easy way for me to give you a little bit more more backstory into some of the elements of Leviathan. So you're going to be getting those really throughout the rest of the year until we have season two of the Leviathan Chronicles ready. In addition to that, you're also going to be getting a formal season finale soapbox. And that's something that Nobi and I are actually putting a fair bit of work into, and it's going to be uh, something a little bit different. That's all I'll tease you with. That should be out in the next 10 days or so. Most importantly, I hope you guys all take the time to check out our new website. Uh, The new website debuted today as well. It's something that I've been working on for about six months now. There are a lot of things that I liked about my old website, and there's a lot of things I didn't like about it. And it really wasn't the right platform to let Leviathan grow to the next level. And that's really what this is all about. This is really kind of a reawakening, a rebooting of Leviathan. With this season finished, we're kind of able to look back, look at what we did right, what we did wrong, and really correct that going into season two. And you guys heard me kind of talk ad nauseum already about the fact that we're not going to release any of season two until all of the episodes are completed. So you will not have the delays that you had in season one. In addition to that, you're also going to be getting the special edition episodes. The first one is going to be called Internal Affairs. That is going to be released probably the end of June, beginning of July. And that's going to be our first paid episode if you guys want to support us. And I really, really hope you will. Taking Leviathan up to the next level is going to require capital. I've fronted all the costs for Leviathan so far, and I hope we get to the point where you're always getting free episodes, but there's also paid episodes if you want to learn a little bit more. If you wanted an extra half an hour of each episode of Lost, I say Lost, I watched the season finale, and I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about that, but Lost is something near and dear to our heart, and I'll touch on that in one second. But I really do hope you'll support us on the special edition episodes. As I said, the first one is going to be called Internal Affairs. It deals with the aftermath of what happened in Sanctuary when Whit Roberts opened fire and broke the law of Sanctuary. What does that do to the entire Black Door group? We're going to be looking into all of that and have got a really cool new cast of characters that are coming in to talk about that. So that's going to be available for $1.99, hopefully by the end of June. And I really, really, really hope you guys are going to support that. In addition to supporting us there, on the new website, you can see that we have an 
awesome new Zazzle store. And we've got four lines of merchandise that we've produced. One is the Leviathan logo. The second is we have Black Door apparel. We have Hail Mary apparel. And we have Salty Squid apparel. So there's some really cool lines out there that you can explore. Again, a great way to support Leviathan. And more importantly, it's a great way to spread the word about Leviathan. I've made this stuff so that's hopefully interesting enough that people can like, oh dude, where's the Salty Squid? Oh, you hang out in the Marianas Trench? That's kind of the idea of it, that it's going to provoke conversation. And lastly, we have ringtones for sale. And those ringtones are are the opening theme of Leviathan and our soapbox theme. Those are all instrumental. They sound great on a cell phone. I've left some links of how to put the MP3 files in as ringtones on iPhones. It's a little bit tricky. It's not too hard. Essentially, you have to take the MP3 file, drop it in a garage band, and port it into uh, iTunes. That's all pretty easy. If I can do it, believe me, you can do it. But definitely check out our website. Give me some feedback on that. And please, please, please spread the word. Now that we have a complete season done, it's a great time for somebody that's been a little hesitant to jump in. The whole storyline is there. There is nothing for them to wait for. This is going to be a, a much better user experience for somebody discovering Leviathan now than previously. But let's get back to the season finale. Dude, Michael Emerson. Michael Emerson. Benjamin Linus from Lost giving us our intro. How cool was that? That was um, when Noby and I were in California and one of the producers of Lost reached out to us and said, hey, if you guys are over in the neighborhood, we'd love to, you know, we're Leviathan fans. So we'd love to give you a tour. So Noby and I get into the studio at, you know, like 8 o'clock in the morning. And Producer X, this incredibly generous, kind person, uh, was like, hey, you really want to be here around 9 o'clock? Because Michael Emerson's going to be here. So we, we wanted to time it so, like, we weren't early, but we weren't late. We just, we, and turns out we hit it just perfectly. We go into the studio, and there's Michael Emerson there. And I cannot tell you what a gentleman, how generous, and how just unassuming he was. So we go into this room, it's this giant studio, and he's kind of standing by himself, he's uh, he's picking up some food that's out uh, from craft services, and you know, I don't want to like be all over this guy, and plus, you know, I'm six foot five, and he's a little bit shorter than that, and like, nobody wants to see a big six foot five German guy come running at them, it just evokes a bad emotional response. So, you know, I'm like, oh hi, Michael, my name's Christoph, I'm a friend of so-and-so, and this is why I'm here. Oh, I do a little podcast called Leviathan Chronicles. He's like, oh, I love radio drama. You know, again, couldn't be nicer. What a complete gentleman he was. You know, as we start talking a little bit more, you know, I was like, hey, you know, is there any chance I could get a photo? And again, I don't know if that was a cheesy question. He's like, oh, no, no, sure, 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 sure. So Noby and I get a photo of him. We'll be posting that on the webpage. But again, couldn't be nicer. So then he's in there doing pickups for a episode that he recorded a while ago on the beach. And, you know, this is kind of what they do. They He has to come back to LA and the sounds of the shore of the waves breaking was too loud and they were losing some of his dialogue so he had to come in and kind of dub over the ocean sounds to kind of recreate his dialogue so he's in there doing that and I'm sitting on a couch and I kind of talked about this before I was having this moment where you know again I can't believe that I'm in Hollywood on the set of Lost which is my favorite show ever and I'm watching Michael Emerson I think one of the greatest actors on television, record just because of Leviathan. Like, it got me there. So he's recording, and I'm kind of lost in this moment, but I'm also thinking at the same time, oh my God, I got to get him to do a promo. Now, he's doing his lines for about 20 minutes, and that whole 20 minutes, I'm like, how do I ask him? What do I do? What's the right moment? I'm like, totally stressing about this thing. So he finishes up. He says, okay, do we got it? Do we have it? Yes, I think we're good. And I go, Michael Emerson, by any chance... Could I please be so forward as to ask you just to do a brief promo for my little podcast? Again, this is totally yes. So he goes in and he says, what do you want me to say? And I was like, I could just say, this is Michael Emerson from Lost and you're listening to Leviathan Chronicles. He says it. And then I go, 
Okay, Michael, I like that. Now, can you give me something a little bit more creepy? And I'm directing, I'm directing Michael Emerson. It was the coolest thing in the world. I said, give me that Benjamin Linus creepiness. Like, like get in there. He goes, oh, yeah, sure, I can do it. He does it again. I mean, could, again, could not have been nicer, more generous. It was it was just terrific. So, we, Noby and I were, were rolling on the floor like puppies in excitement afterwards just because we, we got this moment. The really embarrassing part was this whole time, I'm like, Michael, I got to tell you, you are my favorite character on Lost. You know, you, you have this, this great creepiness but you brought that great physicality to your role like when you transported to Tunisia and you like did your martial arts kung fu and everybody like you're so versatile and I and I just like essentially like am all over the guy he leaves <laughs> and I didn't look in the back because it was dark Alana was sitting back there and then Alana comes out and says hi and I've just finished telling Michael Emerson how he's my favorite actor on Lost and now there's Alana and I'm like Hey, you're pretty good too. And I was like, oh my God, I just felt so embarrassed. She's beautiful, lovely, and I can't say great things about her, but I was like, oh, like you're, you're just fine too. And anyway, it was just, it was just, and at this point, I'm not gonna, I, I, I'd embarrass myself. I'm not gonna ask her to do a promo for Leviathan Chronicles, but that was the story behind it. And it was, uh, it was so great. I mean, the whole LA trip was, we're just so happy that we got this promo from Michael Emerson, who was so kind. I don't want to take up too much time here. We've already given you a massive, massive episode. Your ears are probably exhausted, but I do want to say that this has been an incredible journey for me. I came into this podcasting world, really not knowing anything, certainly made more than my share of mistakes, but my God, I have been rewarded by your fan feedback, your energy, your support. What you've given to me has just been incredible, and I thank you all so much. I thank Nobi Nakanishi, my director. I thank Robin Shore at Silver Sound, who has been just such an incredible advocate, and his enthusiasm and his brilliance in sound design have propelled us forward in a way that I just I never could have thought when we started. Thank you to Monica Wong, who has helped me kind of revitalize the site and headed up kind of all of our new marketing initiatives and getting the site in order and helping us with the Zazzle store. Thank you to all of our actors who have stuck with this project for two years, for two years, and they've now scattered to all parts of the world, but have always kind of maintained the responsibility to making sure that the production goes on. Thank you to all of them who saw this dream. Thank you to my wife, who's been so unbelievably supportive as I rate our savings to, uh, to create this dream. And lastly, thank you again to all of you um, who have given me back so much. I think this adventure is just starting. I've got a lot of other kind of interesting news that Leviathan could be growing beyond a podcast. Can't share that with you yet, but I'm trying. This is my dream to make a living being creative. I have so much more respect now for artists than I ever had before. The fact that we've gotten to 25 episodes was such an accomplishment. And it is my goal at this point to keep creating the absolute greatest audio drama that the world has ever heard. That's all I have for right now. Check out the website. Check out the Zazzle store. Stay tuned. Please, please, please subscribe on the website. There's places there that you can log in, put in your email. I'll never do anything but Leviathan news on it. Please subscribe on our new website. Check it out. Explore it. There's a lot of great content in there. And most of all, please keep spreading the word. If you're getting this and you've already listened to the whole series, you can still post reviews on iTunes. You can still put blogs up there. Just because you're listening to this after the fact, please spread the word. That is the most important thing you can do to support Leviathan. Whatever it is, whether it's telling a coworker, whether it's wearing the t-shirt, whether it's putting something up in your blog, whatever it is, please tell the world about Leviathan and help propel us into the next level where we can keep giving you guys more and more amazing audio content. You guys so seriously rock. Thank you for an amazing season. Thank you for changing my life. And I will see you guys all so soon. Take care.
You're listening to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network, where you can enjoy the wonders of the imagination. And speaking of wonders, everybody wonders why the Bells in the Bat Free podcast is still plugging along, not only on Friday Follies, but a bunch of times on Sunday Showcase as well. Give Bells in the Bat Free a listen sometime, and you'll wonder how he gets away with some of that stuff. Rated G, family friendly. Caution, occasional toxic puns.